The Apostle Paul, come near the end of, of his letter to the church in Philippi at verse 4 of chapter 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now in summary of that passage and many, many others, Lord's Day 45 asks us four questions. The first is, why do Christians need to pray? And the answer is because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking God for them. How does God want us to pray so that He will listen to us? Well, first, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed Himself in His Word, asking for everything He has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must acknowledge our need and our misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in His majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation that even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what He promised us in His Word. And then third, what did God command us to pray for? Everything. Everything we need spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer, Christ our Lord himself taught us. And then the last question is, what is this prayer? And, and there we find the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to recite together later as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. Beloved disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's a strange, sad irony in the Christian community, in the Christian life. And that is that the easiest way of serving God is at one and the same time the service God prizes most and the service that Christians are most apt to neglect. I'm speaking, of course, of prayer. On paper, it's a simple means of serving God. It requires no real investment or sacrifice other than our time and attention. It demands no special skill, no unique strength. All it demands of us is our time, our devotion, and our faith. And yet how seldom the average Christian prays. How rare it is to find the Christian pastor or elder on their knees praying for God's mercy upon the church they serve, much less the, the Christian team, the Christian parent, the Christian whatever. Ask yourself, how often do I devote my full attention to prayer? How often do I pray to God for specifically for my children? Or for my parents? 
How often do I bow my head asking for forgiveness and praying for the power to overcome sin? How often? How many times each week do I pray for the members of this congregation? Or for family members who don't seem to know Christ? Or for our president and other leaders of our nation? Or for the members of our military? Or the police and emergency responders? Or for the teachers, the elders, the deacons? On the other hand, how many hours each week do I spend engaging in entertainment, watching television, browsing the internet, reading recreationally? How many hours each week do I chat with people about relatively meaningless things that have no ultimate import? And how does that compare to the amount of time I spend praying to the Lord God who loves me as my heavenly Father. Now, I don't say that. Please don't hear me saying that as one who stands self-righteously before you, who's got it all figured out, who never wrestles with these things at all. Would, but would that that were so. But every single one of us struggles at times. Oh, sometimes we go through periods where our prayer life is rich and deep and that is so wonderful, but then... Then the busyness of life intrudes and the tyranny of the immediate and we find our prayer life shriveling. We find that time that we once devoted to prayer shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. The attention that we once perhaps were able to, to focus on the Lord intruded upon by other, not unimportant, but comparatively meaningless things. And yet God delights in our prayer. Lord's Day 45 paints a vivid reminder of that fact. But it says that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. The most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to encourage you as you go from this place later today to ponder that. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. That has everything to do with prayer. We call it communion. Kids, you know what communion is? It's when one person spends time with, develops a relationship with another. We call the Lord's Supper communion because it symbolizes to us, it reminds us of how we have communion with the Lord through what Jesus did on the cross. He's, he died so that we could live, so that we could live in the presence of God. He suffered the pains of hell so that we could enter fully into the presence of God in heaven. And even now we can have such communion with the Lord that even as that, that bread and that wine enter into us, become part of us, so we are fully united with the Lord. And prayer is the chief way that we manifest that communion. And so our catechism rightly says that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. And so what we want to consider for a few moments this morning before we partake in the Lord's Supper is how Christian prayer reveals an essential response of true faith. Christian prayer reveals the essential response of true faith. And that starts out 
with recognizing how it leads us to express our gratitude toward our Father. That's our first point, expressing our gratitude toward our Father. From start to end, our catechism emphasizes that all who have faith will show gratitude to God. Now, why is that? We've seen that in the third part of our catechism, that everyone who has faith will show gratitude to God. Why is that? It's because gratitude and faith come from the same place. We can't show faith in Christ. We can't trust in Him on our own. We're too blinded by our sin. We're too wrapped up in our rebellion. And so God sends His Holy Spirit to soften our hearts, to show us the misery of our sin, and to melt us. To melt the stubbornness of our heart. To, to open our eyes so that we can see. He's the one who allows us to understand God's Word and then imparts faith within us that we might trust the one who's revealed in that Word. The only way we can come to Christ is through the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And if He's living within us, not only is He giving us faith, but He's changing us, He's transforming us. Where once we lived for the moment, now we begin living for eternity. When where once we, we lived for the pleasures of the flesh, now we begin living to gratify God. Right? And so, if the Holy Spirit is living within us, He's going to invariably make us grateful for the one who has done all of this, the one who's delivered us from our misery, the one who's given us a relationship with Him, the one who's changing us, giving us a purpose and far transcends the things of this world. Gratitude always arises from true faith. Now that's not to say that, that we always feel grateful to God. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're distracted. Sometimes, foolishly, we become bitter about something. But if the Holy Spirit is living within us, more and more we'll come to recognize the magnitude of what God has done and we'll begin feeling gratitude toward Him. As the Holy Spirit shows us how little worthy of God we are and how great is the grace that He's shown to us. We'll, we'll so overflow with gratitude that we won't be able to hold it back. And prayer is, the Bible shows us, the most important manifestation of that gratitude. You know, the first time I heard that, the first time I read through the catechism, I was probably, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old, and I thought, that's silly. That's, that's wrong. Prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us? That can't be right. I mean, look at who God is. How can something as simple as prayer, something that demands as little of us as prayer, be that important to Him? Surely, as big, as wonderful, as great as God is, He wants us to do something magnificent. He wants us to, to do something earth-shaking or at least life-changing. Surely that's what will... But no... Prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness to God because of what prayer is. It's an open confession that we need the Lord, that we can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. We can't live on our own. We can't even put food on the table on our own. It's a confession that we are utterly and completely dependent on God. And He loves that kind of confession. That's why Scripture calls us continually to pray with rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. God calls us time and time again to rejoice 
at the knowledge that God is there for us. He's providing for us. He's giving us everything we need. The more we come to know Him, the more comprehensively we see His works in our lives, the more we'll rejoice in Him and be grateful. Now understand, kids, understand this. It's not that God has a big ego that He wants us to pray. He's not like that little kid that, you know, that shows you his art project and says, isn't this good? You know, they're looking for a little praise. No, that's not God. Prayer is communication. In its simplest form, prayer is simply talking to God. Whether with your voice or in your heart, expressing your thoughts, your desires, your joys, your concerns. Like a husband talking to his wife or a child talking to his Father. God sent His Son to save us, not because it was His duty, not just because He felt bad for us. He, he sent His Son to save us so that we could have a relationship with Him. That's what we were made to have, and sin intruded in that. Sin broke that relationship. And so God sent His Son to restore us so that we could have that relationship. And when we pray, we both manifest and deepen that relationship. Every time you pray, young people, every time you pray, God becomes more real to you. I mean, he's, he's the essence of reality. But we don't always recognize that, right? Out of sight, out of mind. And so God feels distant. We fool ourselves into thinking we can do things without God noticing. But the more we pray, the more we recognize that He's listening to our every word, even our every thought. That He's there no matter where we're going, no matter what we're doing, no matter whom we're with. And we begin living in a way that shows that we know God's with us. We know God cares about us. And He loves us. As a father, I love to give good things to my children. And I delight in their expressions of love toward me. They're expressions of gratitude toward me. Parents, you all understand that, right? It's fun to give good things to your kids. And it is... It's everything. One of your kids comes up and gives you a hug and says, thanks. Or when they, or when they just willingly choose to come and spend time with you. Like, not the kind of time where you have to force them to you know, get rid of all the distractions and come spend time with you. No. When they willingly come and sit down next to you and say, how's your day? Or can I tell you about my day? We love that. We delight in that. And so does our Heavenly Father. That's why He loves prayer so much because in it, we're willingly spending time with our Father, communing with Him, sharing with Him the life that He's given. And prayer does more than show our thanks. It also reveals our understanding of how dependent we are on God. So that's our second point. Prayer describes our dependence upon our Father. Lord's Day 45 says, God gives His grace and His Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking Him for them. Now, understand what that does not mean. It does not mean that we need to take the initiative in seeking after God. As though He won't send the Holy Spirit to regenerate us until we ask. 
or he won't provide his good gifts until we request them. No, that's not the case at all because we can't help ourselves. We can't take the initiative. God has to do that. However, God's people need more than regeneration and faith. We need his grace continually. We need the Holy Spirit to transform us and to empower us endlessly. And that is what the catechism is telling us we won't receive unless we humble ourselves to ask. If we would gain maturity, if we would be transformed, if we would more and more reflect the character of Christ, then he wants us to ask for that. Kids, have you ever wondered why that is? Why God wants us to ask for the good things that he gives? It might seem a little odd, right? I mean, God's omniscient. He knows everything. So why does he want us to pray? Why does he want us to tell him what we think we need? Well, that's just the thing. He doesn't need us to pray. He knows better than we do what we need, but God commands us to pray and sometimes withholds his gifts from us until we do because of what we need. We need to understand how reliant we are on God. We need to understand that we're not okay on our own. We need to understand how absolute is God's generosity toward us. And sometimes he withholds his good gifts from us until we pray so that we can grasp the fact that everything we have has been given by him. And so he withholds healing sometimes until we, having exhausted the advice of the doctors, having gone through all the medicines in our cupboards, fall to our knees and acknowledge that the only help that can really provide is that of God. Or he, or he withholds peace from us until we fall to our knees and confess our powerlessness over sin and our need for Him to deliver us. Or He withholds sometimes contentedness until... We fall to our knees and ask Him, what is it that I need, Lord? I need your guidance. I need your wisdom to show me what I need to be content. Or, or He'll withhold peace in your family until you ask the Lord to bring about the healing. You see, He wants us to recognize that everything we need, He gives. In Philippians 4, we heard, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's two alternatives described there. On the one hand, we can be anxious, recognizing all the things we need and wondering where we're going to get them, how they're going to come about, what we're going to do. You ever have that as a, an adult? That new phrase, relatively new phrase, adulting, I think that's what it describes, is the anxiety that comes with realizing that you don't have mom and dad providing for things anymore, right? All of a sudden, you need to pay the rent, and you need to pay the utilities, and you need to uh, put gas in the car, and you need to pay the insurance payment, and oh yeah, there's taxes coming up too, and and I'm pretty sure the car is something's wrong with it, we're going to have to pay the mechanic too, and and you start wondering, where am I going to get the money for all these bills? And where am I going to meet all these obligations? And how? That's one option. We lay awake at night, writhing in our anxiety, wondering how we're going to supply all these needs. 
Or, or we can pray. Laying our trials, our troubles, our pains, our worries, our cares before the Lord. Confessing implicitly that we need Him to give us everything that we need. Acknowledging before the Lord that He is absolutely able. If only we will ask, He'll meet our needs. But we have to ask. So what needs should we bring before Him? Brothers and sisters, that's the glory of the Lord's Prayer. As we'll see in the coming weeks, He wants us to pray for everything we need. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Now and unto eternity. He wants you to pray for the needs of the body. For your health, for your strength, for your work, for your gifts. He wants you to pray for the needs of your soul. Certainly for your salvation. But also for strength to overcome those temptations that stand before you. He wants you to pray for your loved ones, for your children and grandchildren, and also for your parents and grandparents. He wants you to pray for your church family and for the neighbor down the street and the co-workers around you. He wants you to pray for the strangers that you haven't met yet, whom He has ordained for you to influence. He wants you to pray for the really hard things in your life. He wants you to pray for that relationship that has broken down that you see no way of repairing. He wants you to pray for, for that matter that has left you bitter. That offense that has never been worked out. He wants you to pray too for the wonderful things. For the opportunity that you had to just go for a walk and decompress. For the vacation that you were able to take. For the, the wonderful feeling of having paid all your bills and seeing that the, the the checkbook's still in the black. He wants you to, to pray for everything. He wants you to pray for your nation and for the leaders of the nation. He wants you to pray for the church worldwide. We're going to talk about that, Lord willing, in the coming weeks. But the long and short of it is there's nothing exempt from what He wants us to pray for. The question is, how do we do it? Our catechism gives beautiful counsel. In saying, first of all, that our prayers need to be humble. James chapter 4 reminds us that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. God doesn't want us to come demanding things. Um, on what basis do we demand anything? We are His creatures. Our very existence depends on Him, and our continued existence from moment to moment to moment Depends on His mercy. So instead of coming proudly before Him, making demands, you hear that sometimes in the, on the, the television preachers, right? We need to name it and claim it. We need to come before God and just, just claim His promises and say, this is what you said you'd give me, now give it to me. That's a lie. We come before God as beggars who recognize that our every breath is a gift from Him. God opposes the proud. So therefore... Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Come before Him recognizing that there is nothing that you bring to the table, but everything is from Him. So come humbly, but come also continually. Colossians 4 urges us, continue earnestly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray continually. How do we do that? Well, that doesn't mean that every thought in our heads, every word out of our mouths is prayer. What it does mean is that prayer should continue from the moment we wake up 
to the moment we fall asleep. So that we're spending intentional time in prayer. Intentional time communing with the Lord, but also throughout the day. You who are married, hopefully know something of this in your married relationship. Right? You spend intentional time together. That's good, right? You wake up, you talk about the day together. You lay out your plans. You make sure you know what each of you, uh, what's expected of each of you. Maybe during the day, you, you touch base intentionally on something. In the evening, you, you spend time in devotions or reviewing the day or, or what have you. But, but then throughout the day, maybe you see each other, you pass each other in the house. And just, just a pat on the shoulder. Hey, I love you. Or you, you send a quick text. Hey, what time did I need to be home for dinner? Right? Or hey, could you pick something up on your way back? Throughout the day, we have that communication. That's what God wants of us. Not just eh, a couple times a day. He wants us to continually have Him in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our minds. Seeing that as being as essential to us as the air that we breathe. Our catechism says we should even pray with inward groaning. That means that our, our prayers need to be passionate born of, of the deepest part of us, sharing not just the surface stuff, not just reciting a rote prayer and calling it good, but, but even getting into the nitty-gritty stuff, the stuff that we don't know what to pray. Lord, we need change in this, and I know I need change, but, but I don't even know what we need. Pouring out your heart to Him. And even as you do that, praying with thanksgiving. Listen to this from from Philippians 4. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known. With thanksgiving. Before He ever answers, we give Him thanks. Acknowledging that it's His mercy that even allows Him to hear our prayer. But beyond that, thanking Him because we know He's going to answer. I mean, if He did this, if He poured out the lifeblood of His Son to save us. Is He really going to neglect you when it comes to paying your bills? Is He really going to neglect you when it comes to that broken relationship that's been stressing you out at, church, at work? Is He really going to neglect you when it comes to all those other little things? Of course not. So even as we pray, we give thanks, acknowledging that God is good, that God will provide. And in all of this, we're confessing confidence in our Father. That's the last thing. We don't need to do more than touch on this. But our catechism rightly says, we rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayers because of Christ our Lord. This is what He promised us. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 27, the Father Himself loves you because you've loved Me and have believed that I came from God. The Father Himself loves you because you've loved Him and trusted Him. It's on that basis that Psalm 145 can say, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. That's our assurance. That's our confidence. 
because God sent His Son to accomplish everything necessary to restore us to Him, we can be absolutely certain that He will hear our every prayer, that He will meet our every need, that He will never, ever, ever fall short for us. That's why when we pray, we can be sure that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, oftentimes we have no understanding of what we need in the situation, no understanding of what God's going to do in response to our prayer. But despite having no understanding, God gives us His peace to guard our hearts and our minds. Apart from that peace, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with worry, we're filled with fear, we're filled with doubt, but His peace guards us, strengthens our faith, draws us close to the throne of grace, but only as we pray, only as we confess to ourselves and to the world that our confidence lies, not with us, not with our strength, not with our money, not with our nation, not with our leaders, but with Christ. And as we pray that, then the peace of God cannot fail to guard us, to strengthen us, and to draw us near to the Lord. And it's when we do that, when we make that confession, that we can do what the start of our Scripture reading urged. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Only when we're openly acknowledging that everything we need, He provides. That He hears our every prayer. That He knows our every need. Only then can we rejoice no matter the circumstance, no matter the issue. Prayer is indeed the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. He sent His Son to die for us, to be broken on the cross, that we might be made whole and that we might have life unending. How can we not engage then in the communion to which He calls us? Praying continually with thanksgiving to the Lord, our Heavenly Father, who loves us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and we praise You that You loved us so much that You sent Your Son to die for us, to restore us to You, to enable us to have true communion. We pray, Father, that You would make it to be our delight to pray to You, to spend time cultivating that communion. Help us to encourage each other in that. And Lord, we pray that You would deepen our desire as we see through the sacrament the price You paid to establish communion with us. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. In response, we sing together number 260. This is a rendering of Psalm 120.